Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chirping with ABALs. Um, this is our final episode for the year, so Con and I did um, thought it would be quite nice for us to have some like thoughts, but we'll go into that in a bit. Just before we start, I just you know we always um, think it's appropriate to say that these are our thoughts and experiences, and we're not claiming to know everything, but we're talking from our experience and our um, training that we've received. Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's anything you want to discuss from the previous podcast, Carla. I can't remember that far back. My brain doesn't work anymore. Mm, so no, I, I'm good, thank you. Okay. Hi everyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think um, yeah, but we did notice that we've had a lot of downloads um, of people listening to Macaton versus Picks. Um, yeah, you know, which kind of indicates something. Amazing, which kind of indicates to us that these are the kinds of topics people are more interested in. So if you feel that way, please let us know. Um, you can email us on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com, or you can just um, send us a message on Instagram or Facebook that we really like to hear from you. Um, but also, if you just in doubt, search for ABA Owls, it'll come up. Um, yeah, so please let us know if there's any other topics that you're really interested in. Um, and before we get started on the actual podcast, Carl and I wanted to say that we have two online workshops planned. Um, the first one will be in January, the 19th of January. And the topic is function of behavior is um, escape and avoidance behaviors. And the second one on the 23rd of February is the topic on alternative behaviors, which is our replacement behaviors. Um, they will last for about an hour and a half and will cost £25 per person. And, of course, we will supply all the learning resources. Um, and also, it's important to say now that Carl and I don't just like to talk. We like a practical part of everything, all our training. So every training that you attend, there will be a practical section where you get to apply some of the theory that you've learned. Yeah, you need um, to participate. Exactly. We want to see that people are actually learning from um, our training and um, it'll be all online. Con and I've gone fully telehealth in terms of training. So yeah, if you want to join us, please anywhere in the world, doesn't matter time zones, obviously you might have to stay up or get up early, but um, please email us for more details and registration again at our email address, aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. Thank Yeah. So we're really excited for the workshops and because it's taken us a while to, put them back up um especially with you know this year has been so hard on everyone and I think everyone now with the second wave or whatever everyone's like oh I think online is a good way to go <laughs> um, absolutely so, yeah um so for today uh our episode's called ABA Thoughts uh 2020 edition and you know the reason we we chose this topic is well, it's the end of a year, a very hard year for a lot of people, for I think everyone in some at some point was, you know, affected by this year, by this year's events. Uh, and today we thought we'd deviate a bit from our regular type of episodes, but it's still ABA related. So we're going to get a little bit more personal about our lives and how ABA is part of it. So we'll always bring it back to ABA. And also how everyone can use it, because, you know, it's by example. And we do use ABA in our lives a lot. Um, so we wanted to share with you guys how we do it. Because it's not just, you know, us telling you to do this 
as if it's the easiest thing in the world because we know learning it can be hard we also implement it and you know as this year comes to a close we thought it would be fun to change things up a little bit um and we do hope that you know our enthusiasm and our passion for ABA does come through on this episode like I'm hoping it does on the other episodes um and like Lauren mentioned we've had a lot of listens to the Makaton and Pex and in total we've had over 600 downloads from you know in with all of our episodes which is pretty amazing considering that we thought oh we won't get anyone <laughs> no one wants to listen and I guess I'm hoping we have people who repeat listen so they you know they come back so that was really really cool thank you everyone for listening to us and bearing with us in our you know incessant what's it called incessant chatting I think I said it right. So yeah, Carla, I should say um, in the beginning, do you want me to ask questions and you ask me questions? So it's kind of like we're actually um, asking each other questions, or do you want to just answer the ones? I think I think we can just talk about the topic and then throughout the topic we we ask each other questions. What do you think? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I just thought like if you wanted to, I could ask you and then you could answer. You know, do you prefer to do it like? I'm I'm happy to do it. If you prefer that format, I'm happy. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind. Whatever. I, we should have maybe chatted about this before we started recording. <laughs> it's fine. Let's leave it in. It's funny. It's always funny when Laura and I debate admin because we're so compliant with each other. We're like, how does okay. anything get decided? <laughs> um, okay, cool. Okay. All right. So you ask the question then. You ask me. Interview me briefly. Come on. Okay, I'll go for it. So... First question, why are we doing the podcast? All right. So because we like our voices and we're very self-indulgent because why would anyone do a podcast if they're not self-indulgent? But also, you know, now more serious note, it is accessible to people. You know, we get to talk about things that we're passionate about and we give our spin on maybe how do we use ABA and our experiences and, you know, we don't. It's a free resource. It's a free resource. And you know what? It is our time that we're giving for free to do the research and the episodes, etc. But we do enjoy it. Bottom line is we do it because I think I can speak for the both of us. We enjoy it a lot. And and we know it's reaching people. Um, and not everyone, you know, has the resources to get this information for free or or there's a lot of information online and people get confused and they get disoriented um and it's you know what it's just a good time we we give us more like we already have to we already chat a lot throughout the week but the podcast does give us another excuse to to chat some more and you know even though we're how many miles away from each other we end up still being in each other's lives which is pretty good like how far is it from UK to to South Africa like a bajillion miles <laughs> I have no idea I just know it's far it's a it's an 11 hour flight so Jesus. straight so that's how that's how you can try and see how far it is yeah direct Jesus. sorry that's the word direct Jesus yeah well I you know I it's a very different time zone Lauren is two hours ahead of me at the moment so even though it's what nearly eleven o'clock for her, it's near. It's only nearly nine a.m. for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still in. You know, just a little bit of background where I'm still in bed with my blankie, recording. Because you know what, it's 2020. Just be comfortable. 
Amen. But That's see, how we, it should yeah, be. Exactly. Well, but you know what? We clearly do like doing the podcast. Um, and like, I'm, I'm really happy we have people listening because I don't know how we would have managed if we didn't have anyone listening because it wouldn't be reinforced. So I don't yeah, know we need some we'll... other, we need some reinforcement. Yeah, so I'm really happy we have people listening. Um, you know, and everyone who listens, thank you. You know, you're honestly this is the cheesiest thing ever, but this is why we do it because we know people are listening and because we we're hoping people will, you know, will be able to do something with our information with what we talk about. So. Don't be shy and email us and tell us if we're helping or not, because <laughs> we want to know. We're here for everyone who's listening. Yeah, I think I just wanted to comment a little bit also on why we're doing the podcast. Yeah, it's just something that's um, it's accessible to us. It's fairly easy to do, should I say? I know that it takes a little bit of our time, but you know, I think it's been it's rewarding for us to keep on top of our own field, you know, which we have to do anyway. So it's quite cool to do that. So. Lauren, you get the next question. And the next question is, why do we like ABA? Thank you. Um, but why do we like ABA? Um, I, I sort of wrote some stuff down, and I think that I'll probably add some more in because I tend to do that always. Um, but I think it's hopeful, which is a really, um, I think, underrated word I think when there's hope, there's always something that can be done. And I, you know, I am very grateful for having hope for a lot of the people that I've worked with and the families and schools and individuals that it's actually, um, I, I've been fortunate enough to see quite impressive things. Um, and I think it's because of the hope element. And I think also it's it's very determined, you know, we're not the type of people that tend to lie down and let things happen. <laughs> we are sort of creating opportunities and creating environments to stimulate our, ourselves and our knowledge and um, also create an environment where young people will feel more comfortable to access. Um, I think also it's very solution based. So you know, people come with their problems and we come up with solutions. And I think we're going to talk about our, our you know, in our relationships and our, our personal lives, how it's difficult when you spend time with people who have a problem for every solution. Um, so, yeah, ABA people generally are looking for solutions and finding the best way to do things. And when those solutions don't work, we'll come up with another solution. So I like that aspect that it's always dynamic and always trying to find the best way to do something and if it isn't working we will find a better way to do it um i think also it's very focused you know it it tends to um find the detail it needs and then focus around that and i think that's also why it can be very successful because the focus is on the things that we really want to improve and i think that also ties into socially significant behaviors um you know that it's focused on improving people's um, capacity to learn and capacity to, you know, just improve their social significant behaviours like communication, which is massive, especially everything going online. If, you, if you're if you a poor communicator, you're going to be left behind. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's, quite, it's quite fundamental at the moment to be able to get your, your intent or your tone across if you're not directly speaking to people um and I think and I th can, yeah go for it so so I was just gonna say and I think people 
outside of the field don't realize that it, everything we do in ABA is about what will you know be significant to the people we're helping or trying to help. And people in the field sometimes forget that human beings are not just you know a puzzle to solve. They're also you know you have to take into account the whole picture. And I think I do get sometimes where the this the you know miscommunication comes from where you know there some people in ABA want to just solve the problem so much mm. and then they forget okay you're dealing you're still dealing with a human being and if this doesn't work for them then yeah. you need to come up with something else I get what you mean absolutely and I think it's to to and I think that's where I, I kind of like the also the focus element is that focus on the right material or the right yeah. um, perception or whatever, try not to focus on what other people are doing. It's like, I think we also get quite distracted, don't we, when when other people start to ask us questions about why we're doing things, and you seem to start to justify things. I was like, actually, no, I don't have to justify. I just need to focus on the individual, and I've got to be able to communicate that effectively to the other people, to the audience that are inquiring. You know, I think we're so busy chasing our tails sometimes, trying to justify why we're doing. It's like, actually, I don't really feel like it needs to be justified you just need to see that my only focus is improving this person's life or this person's behavior. And I need you to, to come with me on this journey. So, yeah, I think it's that element is, is, is tricky and can be misinterpreted. And yeah, I do. I have definitely worked with people who, who are, you know, ABA professionals who also tend to get um, sort of like dogmatic about certain things and um, tend to, I think, lose focus on the real importance of improving behaviours. Um, and I think also, you know, I I know that I can be very proud of the community I've come from, and I still have to defend it sometimes. But I also it kind of see ABA, real ABA, real behaviour analysis, as something that helps people who are deemed as or seen as unhelpable. Mm. I think there's a lot of that like, oh, well, that's just what they like. That's just how they are. And I'm like, yes, but we could have that same perception about anybody or anything. So, yeah, I think it's it's a very unique and great position to sit in because you can see the positivity in quite a lot even in behaviors people deem as negative. Like I remember there was a young person I worked with who didn't want certain people to take him to the toilet. I don't mean into the toilet, like take him to the loo and use it. You weren't involved in him using the loo. And everyone was like, well, it's very annoying. And what? And I was like, I think that's the best thing ever because he actually trusts people and knows yeah. who he can trust. Actually, it's a really, really great defense mechanism for him because he is now choosing people that he deems appropriate to be part of quite an intimate affair. And so, yeah, yeah it's, it can be annoying when you don't have staff that he knows, but actually for him, it's a really, really, really positive thing. And I encouraged it. I was one like, yes, he must be able to do that. It's a, it's a privacy thing. He understands who he can trust. You know, it was actually really great behavior. And that's something that concerns us about other children who allow anybody to take them to the loo, you know? I know. So, yeah, I think that is um, something that I, you know, I always thought was a, was a good thing. And I remember having to explain to other people, and only when they saw it in a certain perspective yeah. were they able to see that it actually – and they were like, oh, okay, I never really thought about it like that before. And I was like, okay, well, think about it if it was you and you couldn't communicate effectively. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. 
so yeah, that's kind of some of the things why why we do we like ABA. I think I could rattle on for hours, but <laughs> some of the things that came to you know came to the forefront quickly for me. So yeah, 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 because it is, and I think my one of my favorite things about ABA is like you said, is the solution focused, is the finding the finding the solution, finding the answer, changing your perspective, um, and I think ABA does allow you that, does give you some perspective on other <clears throat> under areas that maybe you wouldn't have the same perspective so, I do want to say one more thing that's just come to me is yeah. that I also like ABA and I know you agree with me because it has a lot of evidence to show that it's effective oh, I think there's yeah. a of, <laughs> it's quite a big one I was like oh we must mention this um that other therapies or fields claim to have a lot of success but don't actually have the evidence to prove and I know that Sometimes that's a, that's not right, but actually to be able to show the evidence backs up your yeah. um, argument or your you know your stance. So I do think that actually it's one of the best parts because there are thousands of articles to prove that ABA principles can be effective. And when people tell me that it doesn't work, I'm like, well, there's a lot of evidence to say that it does. And actually, maybe the people you're working with are undertrained or underskilled. Mm-hmm. Or maybe again have the wrong focus, and so yeah, I I think the evidence based thing is a massive part of it is, and and like field. yeah, and what you said about you know justifying your field and you know we all in ABA we all suffer from that when oh, as soon as we have to go to environments where they don't use ABA and it it is you know what in a way yeah it's good we have the evidence and then on the other hand it's kind of like well you don't ask teachers to justify mm. Do why are they doing this to a child? And mm. you know, and it's you know, I don't know if I don't know what it will be in English. I think is it that um, was it you can't teach new skills to old dogs or something that we have oh, yeah, you can't saying, teach like, a new dog, I mean, an old dog, new tricks. That's what it is. Okay, in cool, Th- that's it. Okay, cool, because in Portuguese we have something similar, and and I don't believe that when people say that, you know what, that's just an excuse for you to conform to a behavior that you shouldn't be conforming with. Or you just can't be bothered. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no. And ABA is can be used in yeah. pretty much anything. Exactly, which I've is seen. which we've spoken about in our I said our myths and misconceptions myths and yeah. misconceptions episodes. So if you want to find out more, go and listen to that one. Um, but yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think I spoke about in that one about. Um, a great doctor in the field teaching like a man in his 40s or 50s to sign for the first time, even though he had no communication history. So, yeah, it it can help, again, people that are deemed unhelpable, not in my eyes, but in most community um, or society's yeah. eyes. You cool. Do you want me to ask the next question? Yeah, please. <laughs> Sorry, we're actually talking at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Carla... What a, what areas of ABA would you like to pursue and why? All right. So you um, my main area. So criminal profiling, I think, would be super interesting. And I think you'd love it as well because we, we do love a bit of true crime and we listen to the podcast. Well, you more than me. I, I quite like my favorite favorite murder more <laughs> because it's funny. Um, not the murder is not funny. You know, everyone is just the, the way the ladies discuss it um just because i think criminal profiling would be super super interesting um in terms of understanding patterns and 
because people I find it very funny that people go oh the main cause for women to commit the main motivation for women to commit murder or whatever is either revenge or money and I'm like okay but you know that all falls under the want something of the function of behavior yes it's then divides into these different things but I think because people divide it into these harder categories maybe it can become even harder to profile the criminal to find the criminal because you know you're putting it into all these I don't know I would just like to to learn more about it and how they do it because it's all behavior so it all has a common ground so I would really 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 like that which I think you would as well Lauren no absolutely I mean I genuinely thought that I was going to become a detective or work in the like in criminal profiling. I would like to be a detective. Way. I used yeah. to think that would be really cool. I don't know why I didn't and pursue it. I know, well, especially because if you you know as if you're going to be like as a behavior analyst, you've got to have an eye for detail. You've got to be able to observe and sort of you know sort of um, find things that are different about the environment or be able to notice small detail. And I think. That is a, a sort of a trait that's actually common amongst um, detectives, or, or good detectives, should I say, um, and good behavior analysts. I think, yeah, it would be, that is, I genuinely thought that's where my life was going <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is a very interesting area. And um, another area that I think it's really interesting, and only recently I've become aware of it, because uh, Lauren mentioned it to me, was organization behavior management, uh, which the, you know, OBM, which is more about companies, isn't it? It's like you go, you try to improve the way some places do have procedures in, you know, how to reinforce employees and, um, you know, all all those kind of things in, in businesses. And because even I was, you know, I went to my dentist um and they they were telling me about, you know, because of COVID, they had to do put all these procedures in place. Like you can only have one person there each hour. So they have time to disinfect everything. And, you know, they have all these contingencies they apply to make the environment safer. And I was telling and she said, look, it was a re- it was really hard at the beginning because we had to figure out all of this. And I did say to her, well, yeah, that's basically what my field does. Like I I do a lot of I do mostly autism. Auti- I do you know, fully autism, uh, but I, it's our f- ABA is that field that looks at the situation and knows, you know, if it's not an area we, we know, we ask people who know about it to talk about, to tell us about details. And then we see, then we see the pattern, we see where we can implement reinforcement systems or, you know, changing stuff, fading in, fading out demands or criteria, etc. And this is what we can do. We can just make everyone's lives easier because we're trained for it. And if someone says, look, you know what? There's something not working here with performance. Can you analyze it? And we analyze it and we come up with solutions. And ABA can definitely help with that. And I know, like, Lauren was the one who talked to me about this. I was like, oh, that's something I'd be super interested in doing. So after I finish my BCBA, I really want to look into that. Because I'm not done with masters, I'm I'm just waiting to forget forget um, about my dissertation, because I need to forget about that trauma before I attempt it again. <laughs> um, and my final area that I would like to pursue is in education, 
um, but not just education in general. I personally would love to have a go at the curriculum that's taught in schools, just because I personally believe, and you know what, if there are teachers listening, please don't kill me. I think the way things are being taught, what's being taught needs a big revision, like in history and, you know, sometimes like in primary school, maths is all important, but as the kids get older, as children grow up into teenagers or whatever, I think you need to, we need to revise how much information is actually needed for their education, for them to be functional adults, and what information is, is left out. For example, for example, I, you know, we're not teaching our teenagers and our children how to choose a profession. We're not. We're telling them, just pick something. You know, we're not incentivizing the behavior of pick something that you like. It's just pick what should be, what what you need for this kind of course, and that's it. And and sometimes I think we make children pick too soon and teenagers pick too soon. And And I think that's all to do with the fact that they're not exposed to as many things as they should when they are, <clears throat> because they spend all their time in school. And that's another thing. Do they really need to spend that time in school? Uh, you know, or if they do, you know, can they be doing other stuff and not just be sitting in the classroom for hours and hours and hours on end? It's even worse in Portugal. I think in the UK, even teenagers finish, what, 3.30, 4.00 p.m. And then they have extracurricular activities or whatever. In Portugal, I remember being in school from like 8.45 until 6.30 every day. And sometimes I had an afternoon off or a morning off, but not every not every year. And we had, what, an hour lunch? And that's it. And then I just had back-to-back -back classes and I was exhausted. And this is just me, so I'll just say this one last thing and then I'll let Lauren talk because I think I've been rambling. But one thing that I always got annoyed was, and I'm a person who loves maths. It's literally one of my favorite subjects. But I never understood people who don't like maths. Why must they learn how to use the quadratic equation in year 12 or 11 or whatever? People who don't like maths, who are not following maths, why must they be made to learn something they're not going to use oh they because they should know why why there's no reason there's literally i'm sorry i don't see the reasoning unless people like it or they're going to go into engineering or something that or physics or something that involves that time that type of reasoning and i don't get it it's just it just makes school so unpleasant for some people and i think school should be a, you know a place you like being because you spend most of your time there growing up so yeah my did my thing in education would be to I would love to help revise the the curriculum alongside with teachers of course because teachers know their stuff but for me it would be just okay what's what's important what can be let go how can we make you know how can we improve performance by making school more interesting or more you know or a, a pleasant place for kids you know well so those are the areas I would like to pursue I think now it's Lauren's turn Thank you. I am, um, yeah, I'm with you on on all of those. And I think um, in terms of education, because it's also one of the areas, so let me just start there. I think, I think everything just needs to be more practical. I think that things are too theory-based. Um, you're learning loads and loads of information, but you're not able to apply any of that information to a real-life setting. And I understand that, like, history and those kinds of things are harder to do that. But 
I just think that also I learn better by doing. And I did a lot of practical work before I started studying ABA. So I worked in the field for about five years before I started my master's. So I think that is just a better way for me to work. And I'm not sure that everybody works like that, but I do think that life just needs to be more practical. University the same. I mean, I did, I have spent a lot of time in tertiary education um, and the one course I did, and it's the lowest like ranking of the courses was a diploma and it was um, an enterprise management diploma. So we learned how to run a small business and um, it was the only course I did at university where you learn theory in the morning and you got to run the practical part of it in the afternoon and everything you learned, you applied to a real life setting. So, for example, we learned about how to write a behavior plan. So we wrote a behavior plan. I mean, sorry, not a behavior plan. Listen to me. Business plan. <laughs> behavior plan, too. Yes. But um, oh, a business hello. plan. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I took out like it's just the wrong word completely. Um, so we wrote like a, a business plan that we had to um, uh, present to a bank. And the bank, um, based on how well you justified how much you needed and what you needed it for, the bank would give you that money. And then we had to, you know, we got the loan, we had to open a bank account, we had to run the business, and then you had to pay back your loan with whatever interest was applicable for the time. Um, and I remember it being the only thing at university I did that I really remember and like cherish because I was like, this is how all courses should be. And I understand some are difficult and the internships are important, but if you spend four or three years in solid theory and then you go into practical, you don't remember what happened in the first year. Like, let's be honest, you barely want to remember what happened in the last year. Um, so, yeah, I just think that in terms of education, practic being practical or applying knowledge is so is such a fundamental step that is lost or, should I say, isn't utilized as much as it should be. Um, and that's just a personal ex um, experience. But I do I you know, I, I think. I think about when I was at school and how unmotivated I was for a lot of the information that was being thrown my way. And, you know, it's just, and I think Carter's right also about making choices when you're too young and it's, so, it's choices that impact the rest of your life. Like I had to do maths um, and I didn't particularly want to do maths and I didn't feel like I needed maths, but I did it so that I could get into university and I could have spent the last, I don't know how many years, two or three years at, at high school enjoying my other subjects that I loved and get, could have given energy to if I didn't have to do maths. It took up a lot of my time. So I completely agree with you, Carla. I think, I don't know, I just feel like there's a lot of like tradition and history behind how things are put in place. And then no one wants to review it because it's either too much of a big deal or it's like, well, how are we going to change it now? It just, it's the efforts too much. I don't know. I think, I think you're completely right. And um, it would be fascinating to be part of restructuring how how learning happens in school and I think there's a lot of like well this is how it used to work in I don't know whenever and it's like well the modern kids and the kids of these generations aren't learning like that anymore they have access to the internet they can learn almost anything by themselves if they're motivated so let's teach them stuff like opening a bank account and learning how to do your taxes and you know all this kind of stuff that no one ever teaches you unless you do a course on it so you know all those practical stuff that are actually you need as an adult, you know, time management and like, you know, looking after yourself. And I just think all of those kind of things are underrated and not really um, tackled very well. 
but that's just my rant on education. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? I we also, love teachers. Yeah. You know, guys, we love teachers. We're just oh, they about... are like my favorite people in the world. And we're just ranting about how things need to be changed. And I think everyone's too busy to change yeah. them, isn't it? Yeah, we're on the treadmill now. And it's like, well, when do we get off? And how, do we keep going faster? Do we slow down? It's insane. And I I, I sympathize with teachers because there's a lot of pressure on them too to perform and to, to meet all these targets. And I think most of what's expected of them is actually impossible. And they work themselves to death, and it's just not—it's not—it's not right. Um, and um, yeah, I have so much respect for the field, and for the longest time, considered considered doing a teaching course so that I could I could integrate myself in education better. But that's something that potentially will happen. That and also potentially doing PhDs. We'll see. I don't know. And also, again, the same as Carla, like I'm very, very, very motivated to understand crime and why crime happens and behavioral crime, um, especially coming from a country that has quite a lot of crime and it's quite um, sort of normalized. Um, and I think it needs to be looked at. And I think, you know, young offenders is probably a place where to start with that and um, breaking the cycles of criminals raising kids and then they're becoming criminals um, because of socio socioeconomic um, situations. And I think there's a lot that could be unpicked there and, um, I just, yeah, it, I feel that it's my purpose to help people find better ways to do things. And if it doesn't matter what that person's done, it's also just, as we said before, it's just their behavior. It's not who they are. So, yeah, I, I think the, there is a lot that could be explored in terms of, you know, criminal behavior or behavioral crime or how, how crime has become a behavioral epidemic. I think um, it's very, very rife and it's something that really needs to be looked at. I think also dementia. I know there's a there's a lady that um, at Bangor University in Wales who was one of my lecturers, and I won't mention her name because it's just out of respect. But she um, was doing a lot of research on dementia and how it can help um, people that are suffering from um, that illness to um, improve their lives and improve their um, behaviors and such things. So it'd be really really interesting to look at that. I think the prison system, but also that kind of goes alongside criminal behavior, I suppose, because you know, in our field, if you if a punishment's effective, you um you see behavior reducing. And from what we can say from the prison or the the um that kind of system is that it isn't actually working that way. And I know there's a lot of other variables involved, but yeah, it's something that needs to be looked at. We spoke about um education. I think technology and apps, you know, Carl and I are really interested in improving, always constantly improving. Um, and making our lives as easy as possible. Yes. And yes, make life easier. <laughs> exactly. But also use our time effectively. Like if and Carl and I also we have a lot of passion and energy for things. So we want to be able to use it effectively. We don't want to spend our time making data sheets and taking data on paper if we could be doing it a better way. So yeah, I think technology and apps is something that really needs to be explored. And I think behavior analysts would be a great person to have on the design part of that or the implementation part of that, because I think that'd be quite insightful in um, being able to find things that would be the best, the least effort um, for people and the most motivating or rewarding, I think would be cool. In terms of also creating graphs and um, cool ways to analyze data or view data. And of course, my, my absolute passion, it's the, it is my number one, even though crime is almost there as number one is environmental 
um, awareness and how we can um, improve people's behavior for the environment to be more successful and for us to coexist with the world as opposed to thinking that we're more important than animals and um, the world. So yeah, that's something that I'm very, very passionate about. And I know there is behavior analysis already um, in that field. I just think there's so much more we could be doing and there's so much more we could be doing that is rewarding for people doing the right thing as opposed to punishing them for doing the wrong thing. I think, yeah, it's definitely something that could be looked at and um, rewarding reward systems is, is deemed as effective because it has been. And, you know, we could be using that to create more successful people to coexist in various environments. So, yeah, I think um, in terms of looking after the world is very, very important, especially um, given our current state. And, you know, it's it's definitely something we can actually discuss on the on this podcast, the environmental bit, because I think you'd really like an episode about that. Uh, yeah. More than one episode. <laughs> and actually, that brings us to the next question is what kind of things would you what kind of topics would you like to discuss on the podcast? Do you, do you want to go for it first? Because I or do you want me to just keep going? You just keep going, why not? Okay, cool. Okay, sorry guys, you can hear me more more ranting about what I'm what I think is important. So I think some of the stuff that Carl and I and we've chatted about loads of different stuff and we could I mean we could talk about everything all the time. We're very passionate yeah. about various topics and, and we as have an I said opinion before, on everything. Exactly. I have an opinion <laughs> and I I will make that known and I, I like to talk. So and I'm interested in what other people think. So it's quite cool dynamic to be able to to put your ideas out there and, and see if people are thinking and reaching will reach out. Um, so, yeah, I think Carla spoke about it earlier in terms of OBM or organizational behavior um, management. Um, and I think staff happiness or satisfaction, because as we all know, and what the global crisis or whatever the pandemic shown us is that human resources are the most important factor in yeah. almost every business. And it's interesting how human resources, sorry, I can't say that word today, are seen as probably the lowest rung or the lowest um, level, you know, the lowest thing that's important. And I think that's so, it's, it's just the wrong perspective altogether. If you look after your people and they're happy and they're motivated and whatever, you're going to see a more successful business. And this is what you find. If I mean, there's very rare, as awful it is to say, but you find people who actually love their job and who are looked after by their community or their, their workforce. It's very rare that you find that um, in people. And I think a lot of people are motivated to to work because of their own personal reasons, which is great. But I think also if an organization or a company or whatever can create an environment where there's a common goal that people are motivated for, for the, for the, for the company as well as everybody, you'd see an even more like incredibly successful business or enterprise or whatever, however you want to name it. So yeah, I, think, I think that's a massive area that needs to be explored. And I know that we have a, we have a friend who's also really interested in talking about that. Oh yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We should talk about it. Yeah. She needs to be on the yeah. podcast because she was really exactly. interested in that. Yeah. Um and also like I think this is a very uh difficult topic to or well, thing to say, but I think also our views on working with other professionals. Mm. Um I think we are often deemed as um how should I put it? That's diplomatic. Um hard headed. Yeah, and I think also deemed as not as qualified as the other people in the room or because oh, they yeah. don't really understand what we do 
that they yeah. think that we just play with kids with autism or we just we just play <laughs> and which is fine that's mostly what I do but there's a lot of intricacies that go along that play and um, there's a lot of skills that are immersed in actually teaching um, yeah, to make to it look play. like play yeah exactly and I think I find it very tricky sometimes not always to work with other professionals and get across what I'm trying to say without being shut down or being told that they know what what they're talking about and everybody else must just listen to be honest so, yeah, I think I think, that would be a very popular episode yeah and I, I I try to also really be objective and think about what it must be like to sit on the other end and go well I don't really know what you do you do and you guys need to be better at describing what you do maybe because I sometimes think that when we describe it, people don't really understand it. Yeah. But it is, if, even if, sorry, yeah. even if you think about when we used to work in that organization, if we had someone coming from the outside, someone who's not from ABA, and mm. they would be like, oh, do this and that, we probably would have been the same. We've been, oh, what, what are you on about? Our method exactly. is the one that works. And I think it has come from both sides. So I think that would be a really cool topic to yeah. go into. We even can get, I'm sure, like, we know some people who are teachers. I'm sure we can get Oh, someone. absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, to give us our perspective, I think that would also be really, really cool. It would be. And I think it, it, it'll be nice. I think that if we air out things that no one wants to say, we might feel more comfortable moving forward as a community. And also, I think, What's something that's also is something that I've experienced quite a lot recently, and I know Carl and I've spoken about this for years, but I've experienced it more jarringly recently, is how trained you have to be to be ethically and success, you know, like ethical and successful in ABA, um, you know, with the appropriate supervision and those kinds of things. And why supervision and education in ABA is so important. It's so fundamental. If you are, if you know a tiny tidbit of um, ABA, you probably aren't going to really understand the intricacies of everything. And so training and concentrating, like even I have spent a large portion of my time practically working and then studying. And I spent, uh, let's say, six years studying in ABA, roughly, and that's including supervision stuff, maybe more, is that now I still have to study. I still have to continue to study all the time. And I have to talk to people, I have to attend conferences and whatever to be part of this community. And it is a lot of work and it's a lot of time and effort. So when people sort of discount your opinion or your expertise, yeah. it can be very hard to, to swallow because you feel that you've worked really, really hard. And it's and I always feel like I'm preaching when I when I try and to explain things. But, you know, there are some incredible things that can be done with this method of understanding behavior. And let's all just let's all just try to work together. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's so important to have BCBAs and pop appropriately trained professionals. And Carla's on that journey right now. So she can talk a lot about that, too. And, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, it, it is it's a long journey and it's worth it, like 100 percent. I would never give it up for anything. But. Sometimes when I talk about how long it's taken me to get, people don't believe me. They're like, what? Yeah. How can it be that long? And I'm like, well, this is why it's so important that people take it seriously, you know? But it, but in a way, it's also not your fault that it's taken you that long because, you know, because, you know, like all the yeah, say, no, crap really. like you had because, you know, it was yeah. more, some of it, you could, I'm sure you would have done it quicker if. Definitely. If, 
yeah if people hadn't interfered but you know what but I know you you like to take your time and also I know you appreciate all the experience because it just made you more experienced hasn't it absolutely I'm I'm yeah I'm so 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 grateful for all those opportunities but yeah I if I think back now it's just very traumatic (laughs) Uh, just before we continue I could hear some dings I know I'm sorry no it's fine I'm just telling you in case you didn't you couldn't hear it just yeah, because you have your. So sorry, everybody, on. if you hear, it's my brother trying to get me to buy stuff online, so he's sending me, <laughs> uh, what do you call these things? Links. It's for the podcast, so it's it's related. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so enough. so what different topics do you want to discuss in the podcast, Carla? <clears throat> well, I want to go a little bit controversial because you know me, I just I like to cause a reaction. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I think, you know what, like, I want to do all the topics you discussed, obviously, but I, the topics I want to go into, and they're a bit more um, sensitive, so they would need a lot of research and, you know, an attention to it, like, um, like sexism, how, how is it behaviorally conditioned, you know, this, uh, investigating the cycle and looking up if anyone has done studies on this, um, racism, Definitely. I think it's also very conditioned behavior. Um, And because we're both white women, I don't like I personally don't feel I've been a victim of racism. So I would have to try and find which I'm sure I can find very easily amongst our friends, people who've suffered it and people who who've been through it, because I think that would be really important to have that point of view, because the only point of view I can have is how is it conditioned? How is it, you know, how do people become or develop racist, racism and racist thoughts? Um, so that would be, I think, very interesting because it's a lot of complex behaviors that you'd have to unpick and, you know, and then and, and analyze and give your views on an ABA perspective. But of course, it's a human thing. So then you'd need the pers- people who go, went through it to comment on it because I think it would be quite insensitive to be talking about racism or sexism and not give voice to the people who actually go through it if they want to talk about it of course because I'm sure we can like amongst our many friends from different countries I'm sure we can find someone who's been through it unfortunately Uh, I think I also would like to talk about the ins and outs of ABA I just find that when I'm starting to set up a home program or get clients, people are very confused about the whole IRP or the structure or, you know, what will the team meetings or workshops consist of and what will a tutor do and what sh- should I always have a consultant? Yes, you should always have a consultant. And what would they do and what's normal to charge and or how do you interview how do you choose a bcba how do you a consultant how do you choose a a tutor should you have a supervisor what kind of targets are appropriate because it's a whole world that we we do think a lot about it but i think people that are not part of that world don't see the whole the whole work behind it and I think it would be really good. I think this will, couldn't last us for a good few episodes of going through all of that more calmly and in a way that lots of people have access to. Um, another thing, like you mentioned as well, the ethical ethical side. I think ethical issues are really important to 
to discuss and in America there was maybe in the UK probably uh, there was a lot of ethical issues at the you know years ago and maybe still today oh sorry I think I'm gonna sneeze I'll edit this out um oh it's gone good uh and those ethical issues weren't you know it, they were the reason why as well we create the ABA community created a, an ethics board to monetize this but it's also looking into is it being monetized and are people actually reporting when they should re be reporting because I don't think I think sometimes people are just not reporting either because they don't have evidence or because they don't know who to report this to and the same with parents like I don't even know if so when I start a new client I always want to give them the information of, okay, this this is our ethics code. You don't have to read it. We can talk about it if you want. Uh, just so you know, it's like a whole procedure for the ethics side. And I want to make sure they know who they can contact with if they're not happy with something. If, you know, communications with the consultant are not going well, there has to be an entity. And there is an entity that's respond that, you know, oversees this. <clears throat> and I think people are not aware of that. So that would be... A really cool episode for me um but yeah those are actually the main things i'm sure other topics will come up as we as we progress because lord knows how long we're gonna be doing this because <laughs> until we have you know what we'll do it until until and whilst it's fun for us which it is it's motivating and it's informative so i think we have lots and lots we can talk about but those are the main topics i would like to discuss sexism racism ins and outs of aba ethical issues so those are for me at the moment there's things that are in my you know in the forefront of my mind let's say uh do do you want to add anything about topic discussion or should we move on to the next question no i, I really like those ones and i'm with <laughs> you i think there's a lot of um topics that could be and i think the ins and outs of aba would be really cool like programs yeah. or yeah, sort of like helping people understand the levels and whatever. Because even for us, it's like, you know, it can be a bit tricky to justify some roles or who's responsible for what. Because there's a lot of overlap too, isn't there? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and how people work together and things like that. I think would be really sorry. I sounded so American. Together. Um, <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm happy with those topics. I mean, I could keep going for for days. I mean, I think actually what'd be quite cool is also like um animal behavior or um Ooh. training animals because I see a lot of people and then they they sort of associate with what I do. Because but we're it's all animals. That's the thing. Exactly. We're all animals. We all have behavior. Yeah. They all have the same functions as animals. Exactly. So yeah. I think, yeah, I'm just interested in that because I love animals and I'd love to get a dog that could be a therapy dog that I could take everywhere and um, that I could use ABA to mm -hmm. teach. And I also be interested to see whether they, how they mm -hmm. train dogs to, you know, how they have dogs who detect cancer and various things. How do oh. they train? and cadaver dogs and stuff i'm just really oh. interested in that kind of thing because i just think it's because i was listening to a podcast this morning obviously about crime because crime, <laughs> I'm a little bit obsessed. i found some new ones uh which i will share with you and our mutual friend at another point but um i it was talking about this man was talking about the cadaver dogs and he was like but dogs aren't like humans they only know to do when when they know you know they only do when it's right they don't do it when they sort of sure because they feel bad or they <laughs> They want the other person's worried about it. They just do it when they know. 
And I thought that's really yeah. interesting because humans have all this other stuff they're thinking about. All those layers, uh, yeah. Exactly. So it could be quite cool. It's just something that's come to the top of my head at the moment. But yeah, um, do you want do you want me to go on or do you want to continue? Yeah, I, no, I'll ask you. Um, I okay. wanted to ask. So, where where do you see ABA going? <laughs> I want to say everywhere, always. Um, I think behavior of society and the world just needs a massive overhaul i think everything needs to improve if you just look at how people treat other people um is yeah it's just not right and i think there's a lot of um, disconnect with your own behavior um and i think people think it's fine to like just be angry and lash out at people and it's like oh well i had a bad day and it's like well actually yeah but so does it other people might have a bad day too so why is it okay for you to shout and not for other people so yeah I think there's a I think being accountable for your own actions and behavior is like sort of paramount at the moment and I think also well anytime really but I also think that um and I know that I'm not a parent but I work with kids but I think that children and maybe this also could link it to our education thing children need to be um, aware that their behavior has consequences, I think, from really young, but also giving it back to the child to choose, like Carla was saying, choices. and But saying things like, this is what's going to happen if you do this, and this is what's going to happen if you do that. So it's up to you what happens, you know, so that, that kids start to learn from a really young age that, like, their own behavior will result in consequences. I just think that's really, really powerful. I work with a young man, and he was very, very, very defiant and found it really hard to sort of, uh, how should I put it conform to other people's rules and um, and he was in an educational setting a mainstream educational setting but he did have um, learning difficulties or, or um, extra needs and I just I try to like prevent him from making bad choices and then I was like actually you know what actually he needs to learn that his bad choices are going to result in the consequence and it's it's up to him and kind of that self-management stuff, learning that really young, I think could really, really empower people to be more functional and be more accountable for your own stuff and not just move through life thinking things are happening to you and you're, you're not interacting with other people. It's just like, ha you know, you're passive and it's just these things are coming at you. That's not how the world, that's not how it is. It's an interaction. Um, your behavior is an interaction with the environment and others. So, yeah, I think, and I think also like we spoke about earlier, it's like how to motivate and here I say it, punish people effectively so that, that it's actually working on both ends. So, yeah, I, I would love ABA to to be used more widely um, to help people be more accountable for things and to be rewarded for amazing stuff, not just being like, oh, well done, when they've done this, like, massively amazing thing. So, yeah, I think, but then who decides that? I don't know. So, yeah, so those are kind of my thoughts on where is the ABA going. Well, That's, even with the accountable, it's, you know, also for parents, isn't it? Because one thing that I would love to see ABA going is parents having more control of the home life. Because I, lots of the people mm -hmm. I, I meet, it's, you know, they don't know, they say we don't know what to do with the child, we don't know what to do, etc. And I, I, it's almost like it, like that lack of being able to not, control, not in a bad way, but just have a hand on what's happening at home to make it more peaceful and more, you know, pleasant. And like you said, I agree with you. I mean, it should go everywhere because it can ap be applied everywhere. And I personally would like to see it in terms of parents or because I think if people had it in their daily lives, then they wouldn't be maybe they wouldn't feel so 
I don't know. I don't want to say desperate. I just did, but I don't want to. Maybe because I think people feel a bit helpless or they don't know where to turn to sometimes. Uh, and I think if these basic ABA, you know, reinforcement and fading prompts, if those basic things were in everyone's lives, then maybe things wouldn't feel so, yeah, hopeless, I guess. Like, oh, my child will never behave. And, you know, if everyone started to analyze their own actions and be like, you know what, actually, I've I've been reinforcing this, so maybe let me just change this up a little bit. And even little differences can can help. Uh, and I think that's where ABA can can go as well. It's helping people have better daily lives with not just with autistic children, with neurotypical children, because let's be honest, children are all hard. You know, I must have been a handful growing up. Still am, I guess. Uh, I think all humans are a handful. <laughs> and I think ABA could help with, because, yeah, and people use tutors a lot in our field, people, in which tutors are important, especially when they're qualified. They can help a lot. But at the moment, there's more needs than there are tutors. So they can't, they don't have the, the time and energy to do every single person, every single client. And it's a shame because maybe lots of people benefit with ABA. Um, so I always try to incentivate my, the parents I work with and say, look, I think you should be, you should train with me or you should learn these things. Not because, you know, I want to take their money or whatever, but because I think the more they know, the less need they will have of me. And maybe some people think that's financially, oh, that's not very clever. But the thing is, there's need everywhere. There's always going to be need. There's always going to be people needed help and training. So if you make a few families less dependent on you, that's a victory. That's what we want. The same thing we want from our young children. We want children to not be dependent on us all the time. And it should be the same to the people we're giving ABA to. We should be helping, I think. We should be helping the parents to to understand the procedure. So then you can move on to other families that you can train and help because there's always going to be a need. So I think that's where ABA is, should be going as well to, you know, cut that need shorter if possible. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I have to say. Do you have anything Absolutely. To add? Absolutely. I think it's empowering people to feel more empowered, you know, and I, I and I, we're not saying in any way or form to go back to parenting where children just get hit if they're naughty because that's not the right way either because then you just live in fear of doing the wrong thing and I think that's why there's a lot of people who suffer from uh you know anxiety around failure because it's yeah. that it's in, it's it's taught really young to sit and go if I do the wrong thing I'm going to get hit or I'm going to get punished I know it's and, horrible isn't it yeah. And, you know, I think we're not saying that is the right way to parent either, but there needs to be a balance of you feeling that you're the parent and the adult and, you know, the, the children are part of your life. They're not your whole life. And I think that's something that is quite difficult. And I think it's massively hard. You know, I'm not a parent for many reasons, but I think, yeah, I I I, I observe parents looking just exhausted and under-resourced and yeah desperate for lack of a better word um and I always want to help the people that I work with to feel empowered and I'll never forget I worked with an amazing woman she was the CEO of our organization and she really wanted um us to work in early intervention but with parents so that parents would be like the tutors you train the parent to work with a young person so that they feel more empowered so there's no breakdown as Carla was talking about later on 
So they don't feel like they're in control of their health. They understand why their kid is doing certain things. They know how to help them in a certain capacity. They know they know it's the better thing for the child. Because I think problem behavior develops because you're worried that the young person's also upset or hurt or something. And so there's a lot of, I don't know what's happening here and I don't know why it's occurring. So I'm just going to try and make them happier and therefore results in problem behavior being developed as a form of communication um, or whatever. It maybe is a form of getting out of things I don't like to do. And if you feel more empowered as a parent or as an educator or whatever, you know, you will, you'll sit in the power seat and you know it's the right choice for your kid. I think that's what people, we worry about. And I don't know, I used to worry about that as a professional. It's like, is this the right thing for them? And then I always think if, if I was them and I didn't know um, what I wanted or I didn't know how to get it and I was taught a better way, I probably would find it more, less stressful just to use the easier way. Um, so I always try to like, you know, sort of sit in that seat and I know that's, it's very difficult and I can't ever get that right. But, you know, it's important to try and see people, see things from other people's perspectives in order to be successful. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it needs to go everywhere. It just needs to help. Yeah, Carl and I are very motivated to spread the sort of the teachings so that other people can feel empowered and not rely on other people and professionals constantly for support. Because if you're a parent that's under-resourced and you don't have the financial means, this is almost impossible for you. And it's impossible. It's not nice for us as professionals to take your money to because we feel guilty about that. We want to help you and we don't want you to have to stretch everything just to survive and cope with your kids. Definitely. I've heard parents taking loans because they yeah. want to have a tutor. And I'm just, well, but you have the time mm. to do these things. And, you know, I've had programs where it was even simple things that, they could learn slowly, but to be honest, some people also just would rather not be involved in it. They would rather, and I want the professional to do it. And I get that, I really do. But but if you have a professional coming in four hours a week, let's say, and and then you're with the kid the rest of the time and you don't know what you have to do, he won't improve as as much as he could yeah. if you were doing the things with them. And I know, and this might be a bit harsh, but I'm sorry, parents just needs to get a parent just needs to be more involved in a child's life, either being neurotypical or not. And we know everyone has a different situation and stuff, but at the end of the day, children will benefit more and will improve faster if the parents are more involved. Yeah, and that will have an impact on your home environment, you know, and yeah. your family dynamic. Definitely. So yeah. I yeah, I think also there's a lot of like people have kids that don't raise them. They think yeah. the raising will just come and it's like, but actually it is very, very hard. And, yeah, it is. you know, it's incredibly difficult, especially in the current climate where people can't really afford to not work and stay at home. Like before it was a lot like, oh, the one parent works and the other parent just stays home with the kids and fetches them and whatever. And now it's like, well, actually people, you know, people want to have careers and they want to develop as people. So being a parent is, is a part of their life. It's not their whole life. And so... Yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of dynamic change. There's a lot of change and still the same categories exist. And it's like, well, those categories don't apply anymore because there's been all this evolution and change. So now we need to look at things differently. And also, if you want to be a happier person, you need to put a little bit more effort in the beginning because it'll be easy in the long run. 
Um, yeah. It's tougher in the beginning. We know what it's like. Everyone knows what it's like to, to start something new. It's hard. Like start a new job or move to a new country or, you know, start a running thing or um, start learning a new language, going to school, you know. <laughs> a running hard. thing, a, a marathon. Yeah. yeah, we don't do that. A running thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, a running thing. That. We don't need that. I don't run. I don't even run for the bus. Like, I don't do that. I know, me neither. I stopped doing that years. I'm like, you know what? If the bus doesn't doesn't wait or if I miss it, then that's fate. It's fate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Written in the stars. You know, I used to be really, you know, I like being on time, obviously. But I used to have a lot of freak outs if I would be a bit late. And I'm like, you know what? If there's traffic, there's nothing I can do about it. If if there's a delay, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is look, you know what? Yeah. I left on time. There's a delay. I'll get there as soon as I can. I mean. Also, we don't need any more anxiety. Like, we don't need any more stress. I know. There's it a great comedian, Carla, that I'll send you the stuff. It's, his name's Dylan Moran, and he's an Irishman. And he mm. talks about late being. He's like, late's a fallacy. There's no such thing as late. Everything will still be there. Just don't panic. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, but I agree with you, Dylan. It is right. It's late as a fact. <laughs> okay, so Carla, I think it'd be interesting for us to talk about like how we use ABA in our daily lives, because yeah. obviously we've spoken a lot about our professional careers, and but I think also that because it's behavior analysis and it can be applied to every setting and every person. How do we use it in our lives with our relationships or going through our endless things that we have to do, our mental health, etc.? How do you yeah. use it? Well, should we start with our daily lives and the endless yeah. to-do list that every single one of us as an adult has, which is we have the lists about the lists about the list. And I do love a list. I do love a list and plan. So I don't know. Uh, well, I do know. But ABA, in, I don't know what I what should start. That's what I meant. I like to do, like I mentioned, I love lists and I love doing lists with achievable items. So I do have a map, let's say, so this is how, <laughs> this. let's go into my brain. This will be fun. I have now a master list. So my master list is divided into personal and home, work, ABA hours, which is like our own stuff. Stuff I do with Lauren has its own section. Um, and I have, and then I was the last one. I have supervision because I'm finishing my BCBA qualification. So that one is also its own field. So I have my master list and I will write down there things that I have to do that I remember. I need to remember to this and that. And then I have my daily list. So every day I write out if, you know, I'm trying to be good. Sometimes this escapes from me, but what I'm trying to do is every day, I decide what I'm going to do. So because I have so much to do all the time, uh, I will give myself times. So I'll say, you know what, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., I'm going to work on half an hour on the workshops for ABA Owls. And then I'm going to do one month worth of taxes because I'm doing my taxes now. I, I have my daily stuff to do. So every day I have to work on stuff for ABA Owls or or my taxes this month, but then I go to my master list and I see, okay, what are the things that I could be doing now or I should be doing now? And I add them to the list and I work on them. And because, you know, paper is finite, I I do have to sometimes renew my master list and write everything out again. And I'm actually working on, because I like to make my own planners. So, and I do Lauren's as well and my sister's. 
So I'm now working on a weekly master list where I can write stuff and I can just print it out and then write, print it out and write. Uh, just And I think when I have to write things that I have to do, it does help them stick in my brain. I, you know, we have computers and all that, and that's great. But if I want to memorize things, I need to write them. I need to physically write them for them to go into my brain. And, you know, and then keeping it all together can be quite messy as well. Sometimes I have a list and then I have another list and then I have another list. And, you know, <laughs> so sometimes I have actually have to stop myself and gather all my lists and say, Carla, please compile this in a neat way. And it can be hard. We can even do an episode on it, you know, because it's all very ABA of having priorities of what it like, like the EFL assessment. What is priority? What's essential? What should be done? What could be done? And what would be nice to do? That's my interpretation of it. And, you know, ABA does help me a lot organize my brain of, okay, this is important. You do this now. This is important, but not for now. This is not important or this is whenever. It doesn't matter. Lauren, actually, during the first wave of pandemic, she had to do a new to-do list because she completed hers. And I was so jealous. I don't know, Lauren, do you want to talk about your to-do list now when we can actually go through oh it now? Oh, my days. <laughs> so just as some background, I, like, moved back to South Africa and, you know, just was – I had a lot of, yeah, stuff that I wanted to sort out. And um, I'd lived in the UK for, like, 10, maybe 11 years. I think it was almost 11. Anyway, so our stuff was coming on the ship, you know, eventually in a container. And no, you can't watch it on the GPS, which would have been cool um, to watch the ship like move around <laughs> the countries. So, yeah. So then I made a list of like all the things that I wanted to do about like, you know, like generally like let's paint this wall and let's fix that and let's hang the shelf. And I want to do this and I want to reorganize. So I did every room in the house had its own list. <laughs> and also I had my own like crazy list of work and like personal stuff and yes Carla and <laughs> I was just gonna say like because you can see me on mute having a list per, per division of the house per room of the house it's amazing where would you put it I would have put up mine on the wall and be like this is this room's list yeah it was so <laughs> like and, and the thing is also having the time that's what I would when, when the pandemic happened and I know it's really awful and like I'm not saying but I was like but now I have all this time to do all the things like I decluttered all my technology, like all my hard drives. I organized all my like journal articles. I put together all my training packages. Like there's just so much things that I always want to do that I never have really, well, I do have time to do, but it seems like such a task on top of your actual life. So yeah, I had the endless lists of the endless lists of like self-improvement, house improvement, um, you know, helping my dad with his tax stuff because my dad's got like a tax business that I'm sort of working on. So now I know how to do like tax things. Yeah. I was going to say, I remember when you, when you guys were moving, you and your brother. And I mm. remember, because remember I, I, you know, everyone was giving you gifts and I, I gave you a card and I said, look, I'm not going to give you a big gift because yeah. it's another thing you have to pack. And I remember going down the very last day and you guys were getting ready for the person to come. I was like, okay, I just want to say bye. Give you yeah. because you guys were so I could see you guys were so stressed. Oh, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna get out of here. Bye. <laughs> Very traumatic, I have to say. Well, actually, if I think about it now, when movers are coming, everything can be packed away, and then the next day we're gonna clean the house, and then we just wanna leave that night. And it, if I actually think, I didn't, I don't think I slept for like a week. It was just insane. 
but you know I'm, the body no, just... I'm the same when I moved yeah yeah like the body just doesn't remember thing pain accurately so you just forget you know I think maybe it's actually quite a nice um, human condition is that sometimes you just forget you're like oh that was actually not so bad you know but yeah the, the endless lists but also I um I try to break things down like Carla was saying yeah it's really important yeah so I have a daily list I have a weekly list I have a monthly list I have two monthly three monthly four months and then like six monthly but they all kind of um sort of scaffold into each other essentially so if I have like she has an amazing planner to do it yeah I have a a personalized planner that Carla well I just told her what I wanted and she designed personally for me so like everything is designed to suit my kind of way of working and the things that I deem important to do every week or whatever every month and you haven't told me about all those lists I can we can work on something for that for you to have the the monthly and then the weekly like something you can print out and it's just yeah yeah for yourself if you you if you want to Remember, we ha- I had the digital, I always had the monthly digital one. So I just mm, have oh, that yeah, 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 And I remember you yeah. saying, My like, likes that as well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My sister has the same. She has the monthly digital, and then she has the planner I did for her, and then she exactly. puts it on her planner. Yeah, whatever works for the person. I yeah, say. that's perfect. And so, and then I, I try to break, and I, I know that I'm one of those people who, like, wants to rush through my list sometimes to get it done. But I try also to be, like, there's certain parts of the day where I will be better so I tend to get like I don't know I get a bit like jittery in the morning so I have a lot of energy as you can tell and so I need to use it appropriately so I try to structure um it's kind of like a sensory program really because I need to do something physical because I have excess energy and in order to be able to focus mentally and think I have to have get got rid of that energy so I do something physical, like either I hang up washing or I tidy my room or I clean or I um, do like some decluttering or tidying, whatever, so that my brain or gardening, whatever. So my brain feels better to do thinking because I've got rid of the excess energy. Um, and, yeah, I think I try not to feel overwhelmed by the lot, the bigger list because the smaller list helped me chip away at the bigger list. And I'm sure you sure. can agree, Carla. Like it just, you know – I also like to control things and it's been a big like learning curve also, that I try not to, because what I was doing in the beginning is I was doing everything and then I was trying to get the family members to buy into why I thought it would be important to do these things. And now what I do is I go, let's plan what we want to do. Like let's share an idea of what we want would be best for all of us. And then I delegate tiny tasks of that thing to everybody. And then I kind of just manage <laughs> So it's like a project manager, really. Um, they tease me. They're like, oh, you're the project manager. And I'm like, yeah, but otherwise things don't get done. So, yeah, laugh away yeah. and tease away. <laughs> but when we need to do da-da-da-da-da, then it's all in line because I have the endless lists of yeah. the endless list. So, yeah. But, but isn't it? I think everyone's different. Some, there's lots of apps for lists or something. There's some apps that are actually really good. And I, and I did try them out. I do like to try things out. But... But my way is written. Yeah. I like a written thing, and that always works better for me. And yeah, and it, it is true. Like when I, what was it this summer? So because I had finished my master's last year, and this summer, and or just before summer when the pandemic started, and I wanted to do more work for my supervision, and it was being really hard for me 
to sit and study and do bits for it. So I decided, you know what, let's do slowly. And I would do, today, you need, Carla, you need to do 15 minutes of behavior analytical stuff. That's it, 15 minutes. And I did the 15 minutes. And then when I realized, you know what, I can carry on for longer. I, could, I would carry on for longer. And then I would say, okay, Carla, now you're going to do half an hour. And then if I wanted to do longer, I would do longer. Um, I think an hour for me is now quite good. But now I finished all the stuff. Now I need to do this for studying. I think half an hour was good for me, one hour as well, because much more than that, mentally, I, I, you know, I have certain, everyone has different produ productive stages during the day. And like Lauren said, she needs to do physical in the morning and then she can do mental. I am the other way around. I need to do my mental, get my mental out of the way. And then around lunchtime, I, I like to do physical stuff like cooking lunch or doing laundry. And then I like to sleep a bit, a little nap, sometimes not that little. And then in the mid-afternoon is when I have, again, mental energy. So I have some nights I can do it as well, but I roughly have two good mental opportunities to do mental work things that are admin-y and that require me thinking. And you know what? I would rather do small bits of mental work on, the, on those times rather than to force them when I can't do them because then I won't be productive and it will just make the task even more aversive. So it's also about figuring out, you know what? I work best at these times. Uh, I, or even seeing what your natural rhythm is, what you naturally do on certain times. I do think... Organizing the day helps a lot. Like Lauren said, she has the list of stuff like today is what I'm going to do. because And also make it, I try to make it feasible. Because if you put everything you have to do on that same day, it's just going to be daunting. You're going to procrastinate longer. I would rather, you know what, every hour I only do one or two things. And that's it. Yeah, I used to do that. I remember I used yeah, to me too. I put like yeah. massive lists and then I'd get yeah. so overwhelmed by the list that I'd just be like, I just can't do any of this. And actually I'm I'm actually feeling tired and it'd be the escape motivated behavior. Like, oh no, I just need to go do this now. I need to I can't do that now because I'm you know, I'm not in the right frame of mind or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I'm well, with you. I put yeah. I would rather less is more. Like put little exactly. achievable steps, feel better about doing that small thing and then move on. Yeah. And I think that thing of being busy all the time comes from, well, when Lauren and I worked for the organization we used to work for, and Lauren was supervisor, I maximum I got there was instructor, uh, so class leader. And we we they the school provided us with these planners for people who are managing staff. Um, and you could divide, and the, the, the planners were divided by time. It's like a teacher planner, which were, were quite cool, to be honest. And they were divided by times of day, so a page per day. And the way we used to guide is I, this took me a long time to perfect, but at some point I would, you know, print a schedule and give it to my tutors in my class and say, look, I, I want to come and see you guys. So these are the slots that I have free. You guys fill, you guys write when you want me to come to you, like write your name and write the topic you want to show me. And then I would copy it to my planner. So this was the first thing we did in the morning. Uh, and then I would go, for example, oh, 10 a.m., I need to see this person about manding. Or then 10.15, I need to see this person about blah. And, and then, you know what, when I knew I had to do this, I would also make sure I, I blocked out parts so I could write the training or I can do the feedback. 
of course, this all went up the window. If I needed to cover someone, then if that happened, you know what, goodbye, all the planning, which was quite frustrating. But it was just part of the job, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, and then I think we got used to having to do so much on the same day that then when we stopped working for an organization and we became self-employed, it's, you know, it was a trans, it was a transition of, okay, we don't have to do everything every day. We can space it out. And, you know, Lauren and I, to be honest, we do work better if we do have a deadline. I, I've got to say, I think we work better when we have a deadline. Uh, we work faster. Uh, oh, yeah. We Pre- pressure is important, you know. Isn't it? it a little bit of <laughs> yeah. pressure is actually very important. And yeah. we do have some plans of stuff we want to do. And we're going to talk about it after the podcast. We're not going to tell you guys. Sorry. But um, we're going to um, I have a deadline to give to us. So to make our, you know, our high knees work fast because <laughs> we we do need that deadline sometimes. And and yeah, it's on our just on the daily lives and endless to do list. You know, reinforcing yourself for a job well done is really important. However, I'm really bad with self-reinforcement because I want to reinforce myself all the time <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I'll just watch like five minutes of friends on netflix just as a reward then i watched the whole like three episodes it's like no carla you can't do this so self-reinforcement it's a whole other area we could discuss but it's a very very tricky area when you're reinforcing yourself because it's quite easy to get sidetracked on it and it's and if my phone's nearby i'm just click 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 when i'm working mental stuff i need to silence and take off you know any vibration or whatever otherwise i'm just so easily distracted and like oh I'm just gonna check insta instagram quite quickly there you go gone gone are like half an hour of my time (laughs) do you want to add anything Lauren should we move on to the next stage I just wanted to say that obviously Carl and I are talking about um, our situation so we are self-employed so we can sort of arrange our schedules around us and also that it's the pandemic so that things are obviously not as crazy as they would have been if we were working full-time you know, so yeah, we have a lot of luxury in terms of that. It's not, and we understand that some people are working at their desk all day and might not have these options. So yeah, it's just in terms of what what our current situation looks like and how we make it work for us. Um, because if we weren't the people we we are, and we had nothing to do, we probably just lie on and watch TV all day, um, endless documentaries or endless whatever. So yeah, I think. It's 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 a luxury we have at the moment, and we understand that other people do don't have that luxury. Um, and yeah, whatever works best for you guys, sitting at your desks. Like I would, if I could, take some work of a meeting and do some exercise until it's your turn time to speak. I don't know. I'm just thinking like yeah, just trying to make it work for you guys. Whatever's best. I I sympathise um, because I think it is really tricky to just sit at your desk all day. And have no other stimulation but the screen. So I do, I really, yeah. And equally for the people who are sitting in offices with masks on all day, you know, and not being able to interact with this, you know, their staff. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it's a weird time. So just to just be mindful that we sound like, oh, we swan, you know, this is not what it looks like at all, but that we swan around and kind of things, because that's not at all what it's like, but that, um, we are lucky enough to, to have, um, the opportunity to to use our time that works best for us. So yeah, we're sitting in a in a in a mm. position of privilege, should I say? So yeah, and, that's what yeah, I want to say. And we also 
Yeah, and we also use ABA in our relationships, isn't it? Um, Lauren, I know you, you definitely do, I definitely do, because it does help us see, it does help us understand people more, and then you can't help but using it, isn't it? You just, you just do. Maybe yeah. it helps you understand people much better. Exactly, and I think, you know, um, it's obviously a powerful tool that can, you know, that helped me, I think, see behavior more clearly like and why people might be acting a certain way and what they are trying to achieve or what they want you know I think it's helped me see people more objectively um and I seem to maybe have to bit of more time for people I think I, I used to tend to get really irritated with people um and then be like oh that's just whatever you know they're unhelpable or whatever and I think now I also maybe it's a maturity thing too like I see them less as pe- I see them more as people who behave and less as their behavior. Um, it is, yeah. You stop la- at some point. You stop labeling people, saying you're not, you're nice, you're good, you're bad. You just start saying, oh, yeah. okay, you wanted something, or oh, you, you know, you are being you're being interrupted, or you you're yeah. skipping a demand, and you just start thinking, okay, this is what motivates you, and it's it's quite mm. easy. I think it's become at least easier for me to talk to people um but of course there's always those people that it's always going to be hard because they don't want to talk or they don't want to see other people's point of view and in that case you're like you know what that's on you yeah you know and I think that's that's also like a a, a, quite a a better place to be in because then you can just be like I've tried my best I've you know I've really I've made everything quite easy for you in this in this thing I've tried to understand you and if you're not willing to do your end, then that's absolutely fine. That's your that's your stuff, not mine. And I think that is a is a quite a it's quite a hard place to get to. But when you're there, it's kind of like and you just you're not you don't take things personally anymore. I think no. um, I take you're things like, oh. a lot less personally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I I I find myself sometimes falling back into that. And I'm like, oh no, remember, Lauren. You know, it just I think yeah. And I think also I know now you know, sitting in this position of having knowledge about ABA and behavior is that if someone doesn't want things to improve and they're not willing to step, you know, make the change or step forward, it's not my fault Mm -hmm. that they're not willing to come to the party for lack of a better phrase. You know, it, we, it is, we have to work together to make things better. I can't do everything on my own because I can't control everything in the Mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. And if you, and not should you, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Always exactly the controls everything but I think sometimes when when things aren't successful Carlo um in terms of whatever of our work then people look to us to go well why isn't it you supposed to be doing this and yeah. it's like actually there's a whole other subset of people and things and variables that are in are in play here that I can't control so it can't only be me I can't fix everything um, you know, you have there has to be a, a mutual agreement in a way to want things to get better, in order for things to get better, and there has to exactly. be effort from both sides. So yeah, I now don't get upset that things aren't improving because I know it's not only me. Whereas I think before yeah. I put a lot of pressure on myself to be like it's my fault that things aren't improving because I know better because da 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 da, and it's now like mm-hmm. no. I've done everything I've, you know, I've tried to do everything that works for them as well as works for me. And it's still not improving, but that's not my fault. I've done the best I could. Exactly. And it goes a little, it goes a little bit into mental health, doesn't it? Because I, absolutely. 
the moment you understand why the behavior is happening with someone, neurotypical or not, and what the right consequence should be, and you know what, you you know you apply the right consequence, consequence, and if you don't, you improve for next time. And I think it's brought me mentally a lot of peace of mind to be to be able to understand why people do what they do, and and to be able to distance myself if you know if something is not right or if it's affecting me too much. And yeah, even like because we said one of the things we want to talk about was mental and physical health as well, how ABA has helped and mm. um mentally that you know that helped me a lot with boundaries and understanding when I'm demanding too much of myself because I'm personally and I know you are as well, I'm very demanding of my performance. I'm I put myself a bit more into okay, should you do this and that. Whereas with other people, I'm much more understanding. So I'm trying to be, let's say, kinder to myself and ABA that did help me a lot with that of, you know what, why are you putting yourself all these goals and these targets when maybe that's not the level you're meant to be at and that's okay. And that mentally, ABA did help me a lot with that. Mm. Of, you know, understanding the different levels of demand that you should put on yourself and help me like even with other people in my life that struggle with that. And I was like, you know what, do you want to talk about it? If you do, I can help you because I've been, I'm going through the same thing. And, and you know what, it's not even about being a psychologist or not. It's just, I rec something that's measurable and attainable. I can help with, I can say, you know what, you're giving yourself all this to do. How about we look at the priorities and, you know, if it's doable, if, if it's reasonable, because these are all things you can just slight, slight modifications, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. And also being like, you can, it is okay for other people to do things and get things wrong. You know, I think I used to worry that like, it would be my fault that people got things wrong. And I was like, no, Lauren, you can't worry about every end, you know, so it's okay for people to try and get it wrong. You don't have to control everything. And you know, you just, you get more and more anxious by trying to make sure that everything's right and perfect and then worrying what other people are going to think, then it's just exhausting. So now I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to give this, I'm going to delegate this thing. And if you get it wrong, then, you know, that is what it is. We can work together to try and make it better, but I can't, you know, I think for me, it's a lot of like letting go of control. (laughs) Like, yeah. And you know what? I think it is so funny you said that because the last, competency last evaluation I had on my performance before I left the organization mm. was on training someone mm. and it was mandating and they and two people were observing me and they said okay yeah I just we want you to focus on this bit of training okay and I did and at some point the the tutor was taking the kid to an activity that I, I thought wouldn't be as motivating and I asked him are you sure you want to take him there yeah yeah so I you know what I was like okay go and then the kid wasn't you know, as motivated, wasn't demanding. And I said to him, what do you think you should do? And he's like, I think I should go back to what I was doing. Okay, then go back to the first activity. And they did. And I actually got penalized for that on my evaluation. They said, oh, you let him um, kill the motivation. No, you know what? I knew it was going to be a mistake, but he needed to make that mistake because he needed to understand what Mm. happens when when you cut the motivation for an activity. He needed to understand that, you know what, it's okay to go back to the other activity if he preferred it. And I think that's really important, especially when you're training a tutor, so they can analyze that. And I found mm. it hilarious that people who supposedly 
knew more than me and were more experienced than me were then telling me that was how that was wrong what I did. I'm like, I don't think it was wrong because I think that now he knows. Yes, they, he needed to learn how to analyze motivation and he needed to learn exactly. that it was a mistake. And me telling him the answer wasn't going to teach him anything. Yeah. He would just be dependent on me telling him what to do. And we can't exactly. have that. We need people who think for themselves. And also that, that kind of, you know, that relates to what we said, what I was sort of mentioning earlier about people contacting consequences on their own. You learn quicker when you contact that consequence, whether yeah. it's a good or a bad one very yeah, quickly exactly. and you think oh I'm not going to do that again or mm, I'm really going to do that again so you know if you don't if people aren't accountable for their own choices and their own behavior they're just going to wait for people to tell them what to do and then we have this dependent community of going I'm just waiting for someone to tell me what to do and it's like no we need people to do things even if it's the wrong thing so you at least you're doing something you're feeling more in control mm-hmm. or empowered mm-hmm. and you learn quicker by contacting your, yeah. the consequences Anyway, sorry, I just thought I'd add that in. No, that's right. The last thing I want to talk about before we close it up was about, um, because I think ABA can help in lots of areas. And I was having this debate with my brother-in-law, who's a PT, a personal trainer. And he was saying that, you know, he loses a lot of people because they lose motivation with training. And, you know, we were talking about why would people want to train? And I said, ideally... I think it should it would have been it would be better if people worked out because they enjoy it rather than just to lose weight. And I think he misunderstood what I said because like what's wrong with losing weight? I'm like there's nothing wrong with losing weight, but in terms of keeping the motivation, I don't think it's the best target. And I think you know he didn't understand exactly what I was saying because I, what I was trying to say was because once you lose weight, the motivation to engage in the behavior of working out it's gone because you've lost the weight. So why should you maintain the behavior of working out? Whereas if if you find activities that you enjoy, like I like swimming, I like boxing, and I like basketball. So if if I have those activities and the space to do them, let's say, I'm more likely to work, to exercise and to work out than rather than if I didn't enjoy those activities. And, you know, um, and there's no, I couldn't find any empirical um, evidence or studies on it, but I would love, and I've told him this, I need to tell him more detail because he, I get annoyed at him sometimes when he, because when you're talking about um, physical education, whatever, and training, he just wants to say his bit and he doesn't listen. And I got, I told him off the other day being like, you know what, I'm not going to talk to you if you're not going to listen to me. Um, but it would be really interesting to do a study on him with a few clients and see where where would he be able in what stage of the training could he reassess the motivation because i think the assessing more frequently and and changing training more frequently might help maintain the working out behavior and i, I think i don't know i think that would be really interesting to do and using yeah. ABA for that I think, I think um, weight loss and fitness is a very, um, or like eating, also eating is very interesting behaviorally. And mm-hmm. I've had discussions yeah. with other behavior analysts about it a lot because it's such a fascinating thing. And obviously it has different functions, but they are, like some people just want to get thin because they want to look good for other people. And yeah. um, 
you know, that that's the only motivation when you're thin. So you've still got a long road to go or like, you know. Yeah. And, and I actually like fast results as well. Of course. And I, and I um, yeah, because it's effortful. And also because of the, the nature of the society we live in right now is that everything is instant, is instant gratification. So if it's not instant, I'm not worth, it's not worth going for it. And I'm not saying everybody in society is like that, but generally with technology, people get frustrated yeah. when for things are People fixed. can't wait. Yeah. yeah. No. And then they want to have judgment about people who have special needs and they're waiting. Um, yeah, I know. It's oh, like, wow. really? Last time I saw you waiting in the queue for your food, you were kicking off. So let's just all be realistic here. Oh, um, can I just say one quick thing? Yeah. Because of that. I remember when I was working in a cafe and we opened, I think it was 8 a.m. And I was doing the morning shift with, a, with my friend. And he was at the till and I was making coffees. And at 8.05, and I remember this guy actually looked at the clock, this lady was really aggressive with him saying, I've been waiting for 15 minutes. And he went and he said, well, we opened five minutes ago, so I don't know how you've been waiting for 15 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's 8 a.m. It's not our fault you're in a rush. Like, we open at 8, it's 8.05 and we're serving you, so... Yeah, and also like there's no need to yeah there's just no need to be like that like I to know. be angry at other people because of your schedule it's like actually if we were taking if if that guy was taking too long to make the coffee then that's a completely different um yeah you know situation it's like and actually yeah actually we don't have to rush because you are in a rush and we are was doing so nice. our job he was even like, oh, thank you for waiting. It was the first thing he was saying to people oh. because there was a long queue. The queue was long. But you know what? We had, we could do four, co- I was at, in co- at coffee station at that time. And we had, I could do four coffees at the same time. Well, sometimes not. if someone wants a double shot of coffee, I, I couldn't. But ideally, I could do four single shot coffees. So it wasn't even, it, I mean, some people are just unreasonable and, you know, it is, you know. Yeah, it's hard and I think that. also their behavior is reinforced because people will be like, yeah. oh dear, it's the customer who's shouting. And you're like, I yeah, know. but yeah. yes, I understand. But the customer can only really get irritated if the service is what the service that's being provided is, you know, not provided appropriately or is, you know, yeah, it's just not, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's not fair. And um, even then, why do you need to shout at other people? You know what I mean? It's just like, exactly yeah and I also just think yeah there's no need to yeah there's no need to really be like that and I sometimes can feel myself starting to get irritated and then I'm like you know what Lauren it's just a cup of coffee or it's just this thing and you know there's that great saying I was like if if it's not if you if this is not going to count in the next five minutes you know let's not worry five years about it or something like that if yeah, you're not going to think yeah. about this in five years, don't, don't worry about it for it. the next five minutes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I yeah, it's it's very interesting. But um, mm. yeah, I think I think I I'm finished with what I wanted to say, Carla. I have Me? something else, but I've forgotten. Sorry, my bad. No, it's the joy of adulthood. It's like I've walked into a room and now I've forgotten why I'm here and I've forgotten what I was doing. <laughs> and then I go back to the room where I was and I've forgotten what I was doing in this oh, room. My days. It's like oh, it's so all kinds sometimes. of surprises all the time. <laughs> well, I do have a few recommendations to do before we okay, end. Okay, cool. It. 
I wanted to suggest two magazines that I personally read, because this episode is a bit more about us. Sorry, we're very self-indulgent, as I said at the beginning. Um, but these magazines are really good. And there's a magazine called Breathe. So B-R-E-A-T-H-E. And it's just the format. It's just so clean, so simple. The content is, as well is very... A lot of there's a lot of ABA in it, I think. So it's easy to read. It's focused on one topic. Talks about you know taking it easy, fading in step. There's different topics, but they they go into areas that for us are a bit more abstract. They go into mindfulness and creativity, etc. But then the way they discuss the topics is um, it's really nice, very soothing, and I do enjoy it for perspective. Even when I read articles, I don't agree with. It's still good in terms of perspective and see other people's point of view. Uh, another mag- magazine I like, this is more artsy, it's called In Her Studio. It's a little bit more expensive, but it only comes out like four times a year. Whereas Breed comes out, I think, every month or every two months or something. And uh, In Her Studio is, you know, every few months. And it's more about people, women who who do art around the world and I'm sorry we don't mean to discriminate against men I just like this magazine because it's about art which I love and it's also about people who have different kinds of lives and you know they have alternative paths and they have people from all around the world in the magazine so they have people in the UK people in Africa people in America and Canada so they Australia etc like Berlin I haven't seen any Portuguese artists unfortunately hopefully one day I can <laughs> submit mine but um but yeah it's really really nice as well to see people with other lives uh, other types of lives and even there's a podcast called I think it's the um, it's called there are other ways by Fiona Barrows she's English but she interviews people from different countries via online uh, so it's a good podcast to listen to if you know again ABA is everywhere. There's a lot of ABA in it as well, without people realizing it, about the reinforcement and the fading in demands, etc. And another one that I want to talk about is the Sunnyside Club, which we mentioned a couple of months ago. They had to close because of the lockdown, but they're ready to start back again in January 2021. Uh, if you go on their Facebook, their Facebook page, which is facebook.com, slash slash or dash or something like the little crookedy forward slash forward slash thank you uh, no and worries it's, <laughs> and it's sunny side so sun n y s i d e ealing club so e a l i n g club c l u b or you can go on instagram and find them on at sunny side underscore club and they're taking now applications so those are my mentions and recommendations that I wanted to make. Lauren, do you have any to make or do you want to move on? I mean, I didn't write any down, but I definitely have things to say. Um, (laughs) I I really like to travel and to bake. So a lot of my um, spare time is spent watching people bake or cook and travel. (laughs) And if they can be combined, that's the best possible option. Um, But I I recently started watching um, Ewan McGregor has a a travel show where he travels on his bike with his best friend um, across the world. Of course you want to watch anything, Ewan McGregor. (laughs) Love Ewan McGregor. He's such a wonderful soul. Um, 
but yeah, so he's got the show. I'm watching the one. It's Long Way Up, which is um, a travel show from the bottom most southern point of Chile all, all the way up to Los Angeles. They drive on their bikes. So it's very interesting to see South America and the culture of people and like the food and just like the, the general um, landscape. So, so, so beautiful to see. Um, I think travel shows are a really good way to also see people's um, lives from different perspectives. It's a really good one. And then my uncle told me about this. Um, I don't know what they call, but it's on YouTube where you can watch um, drone footage of, of cities um, and countries, which is quite fascinating. Oh. Like you want to, yeah, it's really cool. Like you want to zone out and you just want to watch something that's visually stimulating and pretty. I think if there ever was a time to enjoy our environment, it's definitely now. And um, yeah, I think um, I would recommend people also start doing a bit of gardening. It can be very reinforcing and um, it's good um, to know how things grow and how to look after things. I think it's a it's a good thing to teach kids too. It's just kind of something I've been into at the moment. We're developing our vegetable patch um, garden and I just think it's very rewarding to be able to eat from your own earth so yeah those are my um, things I also listen to thousands of podcasts there's some cool ones about words like how words and phrases um, are developed I think it's called something about nothing rounds with purple which is the British one and the other one is Away With Words, which is an American podcast. It's quite interesting. And another one I've been listening to, which is actually really cool. If you're into history or royals, there's a woman called – it's called Noble Bloods. And she goes – she does a lot of detail about, you know, the kings that have gone crazy. And she did one on Marie Antoinette, which is very interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's some cool stuff out there if you want some sheer escapism. Okay, so um, thank you for listening. And please contact us. Again, here's our web our, um, email address. It's aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. And our website is abaowls.com. Um, if you want to put in the www, you go for it. Our next um, workshops will be online. They will be on a Tuesday at 11.15 UK time or GMT, I think it's called. doesn't matter where you are in the world, so please join us on the 19th of January, as we mentioned before, the topic of will be function of behavior and that's escape and avoidance and the second one will be on the 23rd of february and the topic is alternative behaviors so please come and join us email us harass us we really love to hear from you yeah and our next podcast will be on the 4th of january and again feel free to email us like lauren said messages uh, on instagram at aba underscore owls or the email that lauren mentioned if you have a particular topic you want us to address or if you, you know, if you agree with something, you don't agree, like, you know what, we just want to hear from people. We're very big into listening to other people's opinions. And a big thank you to everyone. As we said, despite being cheesy, you are a reinforcement. That's why we do this. And please, if you have the time or the mental capacity, because <laughs> we know, we understand nowadays it's quite hard, but if you can, rate, like, and subscribe us on Chirping with ABA Owls on iTunes and on Instagram and Facebook. That'll be very, very helpful because it helps us get more awareness to other people. And, yeah, thank you for listening. Sorry it was a long one, but it's the end of the year. What are you going to do? And have a very good start of 2021. Thank you. Bye. Bye.